Let me put a disclaimer at the beginning of the message so I'm not misunderstood. We're in the process of a building program. We're at the front end of that program in our continuing the legacy challenge, uh, asking you to financially support, prayerfully support, put feet to your faith and support the work that we're about to undertake. Uh, And I've told you, Les has told you, others have told you about the good hand of God that's been upon us. I mean, it's been amazing how things have just fallen into place time after time. We were trying to make plans, and all of a sudden the plans weren't needed for plan B because plan A worked. But let me just tell you something as your interim pastor. The devil is aware of what we're doing. And this morning I want to tell you don't be surprised if we have devices, disruptions, deviations, and the devil to show up at some time. Now, this is not pointed at anybody. This is not pointed at anything. As far as I know, everything is still going just wonderfully well. But when there is a monkey wrench thrown into it, go home and just giggle all night long. Because that means we've got his attention and we're doing something significant. Don't be caught off guard. Oh, what's happening now? If it doesn't happen, our plans are not big enough. Amen? So this morning, we're continuing our study in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is talking about a building program, a building project. But the principles involved are principles that take care of any building program, any process that you're in. And this morning, in the previous mornings, we've talked about how things have just fallen into place. We started with prayer. We got permission of the king. Then we got provisions of the king. And then we got the protection of the king. And then last week, we talked about how things just fell into place for Nehemiah at the right time to talk to Artaxerxes, who had turned the project down before. And now we're involved in building the wall. The wall is going up. And as we go, There's some folks show up that you need to be aware of. And these people are demon-possessed kings who show up to try to stop the work of God. And so this morning, if you got your Bibles or an iPhone or an iPad, be finding the book of Nehemiah and leave it open because we're going to be looking at several verses, really over several chapters. But I'm aware of the time. Don't get upset. I know what time it is. And we're going to get out, well, close to time, at least. Uh, So look, if you will, there's some verses I skipped the first time through. I skipped them on purpose. One of the verses I skipped was Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10. I skipped that verse when we came through the first time. Look what it says. Nehemiah 2 verse 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, talking about the fact they were starting to rebuild, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. I skipped that verse before because I wanted to come back to it and talk to you about today. Now just turn the page to Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 19. We skipped this verse the first time through also. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? 
Now just keep turning the page to chapter 4 and verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. These guys show up, as I say, they're demon-possessed kings, they're demon-possessed leaders, governors of various provinces. Now, hear me very carefully when I say this. Their opposition was mainly political. But don't get the idea that this is a sermon aimed at the politics that's been going on uh, with regard to the project. Let me say it up front and just as clear as I know how. The public officials that we've been dealing with and the permitting and all the other things have been very professional. They've not cut any corners. They've been very professional. But they've been very accommodating to us. There has been no pro- there is no problem with that. So this is not a veiled sermon to talk about them. I'm talking about opposition, and here the opposition is basically political. However, if you read who the Ammonites are and the, and the Horonites are and, and, and the Arabians are, you will understand that there's also a religious aspect to all of this. But primarily their, their stance here was political. Uh, go back and do a little study and you will find out these are not nice people. These are not good people who are opposing God in this endeavor. And they use several things to try to slow up the work of God. There's basically two avenues. There's threats from without, and then there's threats from within. And a wise leader has to identify where the problems are in order to try to alleviate the pressure and fix the situation. Any good leader has to do that. And so this morning, let's unpack this and look at it, first of all, at the threats from without. We've already looked at some of the verses, but let me look again at chapter 2, verse 19. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn. They laughed at us. And then look over again at chapter 4, verse 1. Sanballat heard... He was mad, indignation. Uh, He mocked the Jews. Now, look down at verse 3. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Ha, ha, ha. Boy, what a kidder you are, Tobiah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you just, what a funny guy. Boy, isn't that really good? He says, oh, if they build a wall, a fox can go up on it and it'll just crumble underneath them. (laughs) What a kidder. This is the first thing the devil wants to use when you start doing something for him. Derision, contemptuous ridicule, or mocking. There are folks, not leaders in our community, but there are folks in our community, community probably think you folks are funny. You're going to go out there and spend all that money building a building? What is, I mean, <laughs> why are you going to do that? That's just funny. Mockery, derision, trying to somehow undermine what's going on. Read who these people are who are saying this. Read about the background about who they are. And you will find out they're coming from a standpoint that is contrary to our Lord and his Christ. So first of all, the attack from without is derision. But second of all, there's danger. 
In fact, it moves from derision to danger. Look at chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and the Budlites, uh, I'm, I think that's in there, I don't see it anyway, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. And now look at the next verse, verse 8, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. This is no laughing matter anymore. They're moving from laughing at the Jews, laughing at the project, to now they're saying, we'll get our army and go down there. If you folks don't back down, we'll go down there and physically shut you down. Again, no laughing matter. This has moved to a whole new level. Out and out danger. Out and out threats of physical harm. But I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah doesn't respond the way you might think. Uh, look at verse 4 of chapter 4. Nehemiah doesn't even talk to them. But listen to what he says. Hear, O God, for we are despised and turn their approach upon their own head and give them for a prey to the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. It's interesting to me that when they start talking physical harm, <laughs> Nehemiah says, God, cloud up and rain on them. He doesn't talk to them directly. He talks to God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the problem with Tobiah and, 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 uh, and Sanballat and Geshem is they think they're trying to stop a project of the Jews when they're trying to stop a project of God. And that's a whole different matter. So instead of Nehemiah getting into a confrontation with them and flying back with some words, he just takes the matter to God. He says, God, you handle it. It's moved from derision, from mockery now to danger. But not only do we see danger here, we see distraction here. Look at chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some place, one of the villages in the plain of Ono, that we may thought to, uh, but he says, but they thought to do me mischief. So here we have not only derision and danger, but here we have distraction. Sanballat says, look, we can't keep them from working. The wall is almost complete now. So, Nehemiah, why don't you meet me and the boys down here and we'll go to Starbucks and sit down and talk about the affairs of the world. Why don't you just come and let's talk. I mean, after all, you're a governor of, Ju of Jerusalem. I'm a governor of Samaria. Why don't you just come on down and let us go talk? Well, first of all, Nehemiah knew enough to know that they didn't want to talk. They wanted to do him harm. I think they were going to kill him. I think if they could have gotten him there on their turf, they would have killed him. And so what does he do? 
he basically says, I'm not going to do that. This is distraction. When it did not work for them physically to simply say, uh, uh, stop the work or we're going to come and beat you up, they tried to distract him from the work and get him to go off and do something other than to be there to rebuild the wall. And so the devil still uses all of this today. In fact, I think distraction is one of his great tools. If he can't stop the project, he'll distract us to other things. Maybe even some other things that might be good, but they're not the best. When I was at the Florida Baptist Convention, my days were pretty active. And my problem each day was not dealing with what is good and bad, but between what is good and best. Because you can spend all your day on good and never get to the best. You can spend all your day doing good things and never do what God's asked you to do. And this is exactly what the enemies of Nehemiah were trying to get him to do. Distraction. Pull him away from the work. But that didn't work. They tried derision. That didn't work. They tried danger. That didn't work. They tried distraction. That didn't work. And then they tried defamation. Look at chapter 6. Beginning in verse 5. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time. In other words, they're still trying to get him to, to come down to the plain of Ono and let us talk. So they sent him the fifth time an open letter in hand. But this letter's different. The fifth letter's different than the other four. Listen to what it says. Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen and Gishnu saith it that thou and the Jews think to rebel for which cause thou buildest the wall that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem saying there is a king in Judah and, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now therefore and let us take counsel together. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Fake news is not new. Fake news has been around a long time. And one of the things the enemy does, if he can't get you to do the wrong thing, he'll just say the wrong thing about you. What are they doing here? They're making up a story. Let me put it to you in North Louisiana vernacular. They're lying through their teeth. They're just lying. They're making it up. They're saying it's come to us as a report. Well, it hadn't come to them as a report. They're making it up that you want to be king and that you've got prophets out here saying you're going to be the king. See, all of this fits a profile of their political agenda. They were concerned that Nehemiah was going to set up something that was going to take their little play toy away. They were living fat and sassy, doing pretty well. They didn't care about anybody else, but anybody that would bring anything that would distract from them, they were against it. And they didn't want any rival person, especially a person who has an inside track to Artaxerxes. That bothered them. So we've got to get together, boys, and shut him down. We've tried everything we can. So now let's make up a news story so it hits all the networks this afternoon that he's trying to set up his own kingdom and rebel against the king. 
defamation. Notice what Nehemiah does. It's kind of interesting. Chapter 6, verse 8. Nehemiah says, Then I sent unto him, saying, There is no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. Sanballat, you're lying. You made this up. And where did it come from? Right out of your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So it's interesting that the only time we find Nehemiah really talking back to the people is when they tried to defame his name. The rest of the time, he just took it to the Lord. You know, nobody can take your reputation from you. You have to give it up. Nobody can take your reputation from you. The other couple of weeks ago, Susan and I went back to North Louisiana where my dad was a car dealer, and I still meet people that my dad sold cars to 45 years ago. And they say, boy, I wish your dad was around today. (laughs) Because he lived in a small area, and he couldn't just jip you. He had to sell you a car and then sell you another car and sell you another car. And everybody over is related, so everybody knows everybody. And if you jip one, the whole family knows about it. And so your reputation is important. And today, there are people who look at me, and they're reminded of my dad. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? Well, more so than just our physical father, when folks look at us, they're reminded of our heavenly father. And that's why our reputation as a Christian should be above reproach. That's why we should always stand ready to defend our reputation. Nehemiah didn't care what they said about they were going to beat him up. But when they started saying he was saying certain things that he didn't say, he responded. And he says, no such thing happened. You're making it up right out of your heart. Well, those are just some of the things that were happening as pressure from without was coming in. Derision, danger, distraction, defamation. But there's also listed here several things that were happening from within. I told you the devil will use pressure from without. He'll use pressure from within. He tries to do both to shut us down. What was the pressure from within? Uh, Chapter 4 and verse 10. Number 1, discouragement. Chapter 4 and verse 10. And Judah said... The strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. (laughs) Nehemiah said, okay, let us build up the wall that we no longer be a reproach to God. Amen, amen, amen. Let's take a vote. Boy, you can count on me. All right, let's go out and look at it. Look at this mess. I didn't know it was this, the rubbish. I didn't know it was this bad. I don't know if we can do this. Discouragement. You know, it's one thing to stand over here and vote. It's something else over here to get your hands dirty. Amen? I said amen. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's build that building. All right, give some money. 
you know, I, I owe a lot of money already. I don't think we can do this. You can't. You never could to begin with. It takes the good hand of God upon us to do it. And so don't be discouraged. Just because the task is large, God never said it'd be easy. He just said it'd be worth it. Amen? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Whatever it costs, it's going to be worth it. Well, they, they try to shut it down by attack from within, discouragement. But then there's also not only discouragement, there's discord. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Chapter 5 and verse 1. And there was a great cry of the people. Now look at the next phrase. And of their wives against the brethren, the Jews. What was taking place here? Well, I think it was a combination of things. I think the husbands had worked all day on the wall and they're worn out. They go home and they tell their wife, you know, we heard today Sandballot said he's going to come down here and put a whooping on us. You know, I didn't realize how big these rocks are we got to move. And the wife is home. She's trying to take care of the home fires. And guess what? You have a problem taking place within the families, within Judah. You have a problem taking place. There was discord within the, the households. I believe it had taken a toll on the people. All that had accumulated to this point, the ladies, the men are out there working. They're, they're working off their frustration, but the ladies are having to balance the home budget. They're trying to take care of everything. And all of a sudden, there's a schism. There's discord. Why was there discord? Well, continue to read, and you'll find out a little bit of the why. Verse 2, for there were, uh, for there were that said, we our sons, our daughters are many. Therefore, we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, we've mortgaged our lands, our vineyards, our houses, that we might buy corn because of the dearth. Because of the drought, there were also that said, we have borrowed money from the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants and some of our daughters to be brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them for other men have our lands and vineyards. Some of the people had indebted themselves in order to do what they were doing. So part of the discord that we see taking place in the families was because of the pressure of the depletion of the assets. You read other Old Testament prophets and you'd find out there'd been a, a drought. God's hand had been heavy upon the country. And so they're going through a tough time. They're running out of food. They're running out of supplies. They're running out of all the things for the household. The wall's going up, but the families are suffering. And some of the people in biblical times, you could act, if you had no collateral, you could collateralize people. And so you could collateralize yourself. 
I'm going to borrow money. If I can't pay it back, I'm your slave. I'm your servant. And they did their children this way. This was a part of the society of the day. And they were fearful that they were going to put their families into bondage because they could not replenish that which they had said that they were going to use to rebuild the wall. No wonder there was discord. No wonder there was schisms taking place, breaks taking place within the families. No wonder these things were happening because of the depletion of what was available for them to do. Verse 6 of chapter uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 6, and I was very angry, or excuse me, verse uh, chapter 5, and I was very angry when I heard their cry and their words. Then I consulted by myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the leaders and said unto them, You ex- exact usury, every one of his brothers. And I said, A great assembly against them. In other words, Nehemiah says, Some of you guys are taking advantage of the very people who are building the wall. Some of you are charging exorbitant interest that they can't pay. Some of you who've got a lot are getting a lot more, and some of you who don't have anything are losing everything they've got. Can you imagine being a leader trying to deal with that? It's like trying to get a tax break through Congress. All of the politics, all the maneuvering, using one group against another group, trying to stop this by saying that, doing this, that you can do that. All of this to engrandize themselves rather than to focus on the project. Because of this, there was great dismay. Great dismay. Chapter 6 and verse 9. For they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. This is the combination of all of this that had cascaded in on them. All of this from without, all of this from within. Look at chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, UL, in 50 and 2 days. They'd been trying for 140 years to rebuild the wall. It was rebuilt in 52 days. Now that's the glory hallelujah. But do you realize everything that I've told you for the last few minutes, the pressure from without, the pressure from within is compacted to 52 days. Can you imagine the pressure on Nehemiah to keep that project on course? When he's fighting Sanballat, when he's arguing with the wives, when he's dealing with the children who are collateral, when he's talking with the rich folks who are taking advantage within his own household of people who are building the wall. Can you imagine the man trying to do the project and yet dealing with all of this stuff 52-day period. You see, part of what the people said is true. Chapter 6, verse 9. For all of these things made us afraid, saying, our hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. You know what we're talking about doing? 
out on the West Campus. You know, for us, it's impossible to do. I said, Brother Owens, you've been up here telling us we're going to do it. That's right, but it's impossible. It's impossible for us to do it. Just like it was impossible for Nehemiah to do it. Look at the last phrase in, in verse 9. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. The people said, this project, all this pressure, all this stuff, our hands are weak. We can't get it done. Right. Exactly right. You get it. Why do you think God let them go through all of this? So that they would trust him and not themselves. When the pressure comes, when situations come, probably after long after I'm here as your interim, when there's something, little bobble, some little something, go hot dog. We don't know how we're going to do this. God strengthen our hands. Because the project is not a project of First Baptist Church, Daytona Beach. It's God's project. God's project. God led us out there. God endeavored to do this. God told us to pray. We prayed. God gave us permission to do it, and we're doing it. God's given us provision to do it, and God's going to protect us doing it. So when the things come, handle them. Just handle them. I was talking to a man the other day. He said, Brother, once I was watching on television the other day, that story about the Titanic. I said, yeah. He said, what do you think? I said, it's sank. Get over it. <laughs> Some things just happen. You can sit and wring your hands about it, worry about it. Or as a child of God, when God's involved in it, you can turn it over to him. If somebody starts talking personally about you, you address it, my friend. You address it because your reputation is important. But everything else, it's not your fight. Take it to the Lord. And he is plenty big enough to handle it. That's bowing prayer. Heavenly Father, these chapters are simply filled with the devices, the deviations, the distractions, and the devil himself. This is an actual event. This actually happened. It's a part of recorded history. But I'm so glad we have the Bible to tell us what's happening in the background. I'm so glad we have this as a pattern as a plan so that we're not caught off guard when deviations and devices and distractions and the devil himself shows up. In fact, part of that ought to reassure us that we're on the right track. So Lord, as we move ahead, I pray that you would encourage us by reminding us that the good hand of God is upon us. And I hope you'll remind us that what we're doing is impossible apart from you. 
And so, Lord, we're on our face before you, asking you to respond through your people, to do in and through us what you want to do to see this accomplished. And when it is accomplished, we'll give you the praise. Not pat one another on the back, but give you the praise for what you've done. This morning, as I preached, this hasn't been an evangelistic sermon, but maybe somebody here is lost without Jesus Christ. They need to come this morning and simply say, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And I don't know what to do about it. Lord, by your Spirit, help them to know that Christ paid for their sin on Calvary. They paid a debt they could not pay. You paid a debt you didn't know. And you did it because of love, your love for us. And through a simple act of trusting by faith what we feel our hearts say, that I want Christ's forgiveness. I want peace of mind. I want a sense of rightness about my life that I've never had before. When a person repents of their sin and by faith trusts Christ, the person is saved. They're transformed. They're made a new person. I pray this morning if somebody here is lost without Christ and they feel the prompting, the urging of God's Spirit in their heart today, they would say yes to Christ. Maybe there are others here today who are not members of this church, but they love this church. They want to be a part of what God's doing here. I pray today they would come and join us by letter or statement or any of the way this church would receive members. I pray also for those who might feel a sense of needing to come at this altar and bring a burden and laying it down before you. Something that's happened this week or this month or something's on their mind, their heart, that's it's a weight. Lord, help them to come and unload it at the foot of the cross. Any other decision today that will bring honor and glory to Christ, I thank you for it in advance. So when it occurs, you will receive the glory. You will receive the praise. You will receive the honor. In Christ's name.